Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin our interview today, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. And if you're seated Indian style, just sit and lean back against something so that you're comfortable. Place your palms open on your lap and close your eyes. And just begin to breathe with me. Breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand. Taking in the fullness of that breath and on the exhale, just release, relax, and let go. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, release just a little bit more and let go. And filling your heart, filling your mind, filling your whole body with pure golden sunlight. On the exhale, just drop into your breath and into your body. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being. On the exhale, let go of what doesn't serve you. And breathing in pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, release, relax, and let go. And this time, as you fill your heart and your mind and your whole body with pure golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and spend a moment thinking, of one thing you feel grateful for. And as you fill your heart and your mind and your whole body with pure golden gratitude, exhale and release any tension that's left. And filling your whole heart with pure golden gratitude, on the exhale, continue to let go of what doesn't serve you. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, release, relax, and let go. Breathing in pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being. On the exhale, allow it to wash over you like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to every cell of your being. On the exhale, allow it to wash over you again, like a cascading waterfall of pure joy. And breathing in pure golden gratitude to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes. On the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. Well, I am so excited to welcome a wonderful woman that I came across on my Instagram platform not too long ago, actually. Joanne Carey Haid. Is that how you say your last name, Joanne? Haid. Mm-hmm. Haid. It was um, 
I just started to notice her beautiful comments. Um, you can always tell somebody, um, I don't know, there's an authenticity to their remarks sometimes. And her comments were just so, they had a depth to them that I can appreciate, a real warmth and a depth um, of somebody who's really been through a very deep loss. And the way I recognize this is because she has the same kind of depth that I have. And I know noted that when I went through my loss, um, I noted that my depth got even deeper than it had been previously, that the conversations that I wanted to have and I desired to have were of the heart. They were of what it meant to get through these anguishing moments of life that really knock us down. And so Joanne, you know, her background is in really in dance and she seems to have a very wide breadth of background, but she was really called to write this very sweet book called The Other End of the Barrel, One Woman's Journey Back to a Life Filled with Joy, Laughter, and Love After the tra Tragic Loss of a Child. And I've been sitting with this bed next to my, uh, this book next to my bedside and picking it up and just sort of perusing it. It's a very simple guide, um, very simple to read. And I've been perusing it and I thought, you know, I want to do this, um, having, I want to do the gifts of loss, the gifts from grief series. And I thought, you know what? She's the perfect person to have on for this series. And I wanted to share her book with you all. So, but first, I just want Joanne to come on and just share her story. Um, we talk a lot about the power of story and how story is really how we teach in this world more than tell, we show. And so, Joanne, welcome to the podcast today. I'm just wanting to hear how about your journey and how the other end of the barrel came about. Yes, um, thank you. First of all, Christine, for having me. It's it's wonderful to to talk with you. Um, and like you said, you know, I've been in the dance industry almost my whole life, um, more than thirty years performing. Then I had a dance studio. Um, I ran my own dance school for twenty three years. I just closed it, finished that chapter um, at the end of June, and it was actually during the pandemic. Um, like so many of us, where I would find myself sitting in my morning prayer time, um, just looking out the window, depended on the time of season it was, whether it was light or dark outside. And just, you know, sometimes thoughts would enter or I would just be in the stillness. And literally, it was one morning, um, I wasn't even thinking of, um, you know, our son. And this whole flood of thoughts and his loss um, came into me. And so I just started jotting down thoughts and, and ideas and things that were just filling my heart. And it, and, and it was in 2009 um, that we lost our son. It's my, my husband's son and my stepson. And so I'm 12 years out from, from that loss, but I feel like, you know, it's always with me. It's never not. He's never not with me. And I, I'm a firm believer um, that, you know, it's just a really thin veil. It's a very thin veil. And the people that we lose um, to death are just on the other side of that veil. And I am also a, a woman of deep faith. And, and I believe that they're on the other side of that waiting. And, and so I feel like his hand was in that that morning yeah. 
I really tell, see. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about him and how old he was and the story behind yeah. your loss. Like, how did he, how did you say he got murdered? And, you know, yeah. so, t so tell us a little bit about when he came into your life as your stepson. Um, how old was he? And then a little bit about life as he grew up and how you bonded with him. And then what happened? Yes, yes. Um, so I was dating his dad. I had recently actually um, was divorced and I was in a very short marriage. And I had met his dad, Peter, my husband, um, at at a wedding. We were at a wedding that was in another state. So it was a kind of a funny meeting. You know, I, I thought my cousins were setting me up. I thought they were teasing me because they were, you know, a big jokesters. Um, but it wasn't. We just um, started dancing and one thing led to another and we've been together ever since. But he was quite upfront with me from the beginning. Uh, when he called to ask me out on an official date, he had called and he had said to me that um, he had a son and that his son was a big part of his life, the most important person in his life. And he asked me, was that a problem? And I immediately thought to myself, wow, I love this guy that he was just so he didn't hide anything. He just told me right from the start. And I was so delighted. And I and I welcomed that. I was I was thrilled to want to meet his son. And how old was his son at the time? His son was 14. So his son okay, was 14. Years old, and, and his name is Luke. And when I had gone over there uh, for dinner, I was teaching at the time. I had just had my dance studio and we lived, ironically, we met in another state. But we lived in the same we lived in the same state in the same town two miles apart. Yeah, oh my so, gosh, that's crazy! Yeah, really crazy. And so um, I was coming home from from work, and I was I was getting ready to go over there for dinner. Um, and I had gone over. It was the first time I was I was meeting Luke, and I, I share this this uh, story in the book. And I had called over just to um you know say i was home for work and all that sort of stuff and and they were peter and luke were working on the house a little bit and they were painting the porch and i had thought there was a smell on the porch and kind of um would always tease pete about it and he would never smell it and i would be like it's there you know and so i had uh i called and luke answered and i had never met him you know and i had just said who i was and and I asked him if his dad was there and he was going to get my, and I, and then I said, wait a second. And it was just like, I, I just said, told him about this rot. I called it this rotting sensation. And I said that I wanted to play a joke on his dad and would he, you know, go along with it. And he agreed to, um, and, and I thought he was going to like tease his dad about smelling this smell in the porch prior to my getting there. Um, but he didn't. He waited for me to get there and we were eating dinner. And then all of a sudden, Luke, without even missing a beat, just started talking about while he was painting. He was like, you know, dad, there's a smell I smell and it smells like and, you know, he paused and he he said there's a rotting sensation. And I thought, oh, no, like I I thought I was going to like lose it, you know, because I didn't want my face to change. I didn't want to like show anything. And and then Pete just, you know, was like, really? Joanne says that? And it was just this really endearing moment. And I just knew at that moment that, you know, I really liked this kid. You know, he was, you know, um, he just was special. He just welcomed me and we laughed. And, and he even then later asked me if I had hair gel. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of funny that this 14-year-old boy who on the exterior was, was pretty macho, 
was, you know, um, he would ask me for hair gel and things like that. So it was just special. It was a real special relationship. Um, yeah. And then, um, you know, we, as, as I had, you know, my relationship with his father grew, you know, Luke, Luke was always included. And, um, when we were getting married, um, he was in the wedding party. And prior to that, um, he had said, you know, that, you know, you're, you're my mom, you're my other mom. And I just, that uh, was, yeah, really special. And, and then, you know, fast forward, um, he himself was engaged and married, um, and 28 years old, shy, shy of his 29th birthday. Um, he just celebrated his second year of marriage and I, was at ballet class and got this phone call. I, I share that as well in the book. Um, and we found out that um, a friend of theirs had, they had gotten to an argument and um, went back to their house, hid behind a car, jumped out um, when, when he and his wife returned home, um, jumped out from behind the car and shot Luke in point blank range with a, with a rifle. And he was killed instantly and, um, you know, changed, changed our world forever. Just changed our world forever. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine like what you go through when somebody is taken in that way, you know, by somebody else. I mean, um, and so there was a, probably a trial and, and, and was that, did that person ever feel remorse about the law, yeah. like what he did? There actually, there actually wasn't a trial. Um, there, we were awaiting that the person was caught um, within hours of the um, of the murder of the incident, and, and Lucian's wife was injured. Um, she's she's still alive, thank goodness. Um, and he was caught and arrested. Um, and he's there there after a year of in and out and back and forth. Um, you know, between the DA's office and all that sort of stuff. Um, there wasn't a trial. It was, it was set to go to trial, but he actually admitted, um, that he had, he actually admitted he had full intent. His intentions were there and, um, he's serving, he's serving, um, 18 years to life in, in the state penitentiary. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, he did, he, at his, at his hearing, he, you know, got up and read a, a statement as well. Um, but so much of it, I, I don't remember, like I yeah. remember there in body, but you, 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 to protect yourself, I guess you kind of remove yourself from, from that. Um, you know, but he, he did, you know, apologize and, and whatnot, but I, I will tell you on, uh, I will tell you a beautiful story. I didn't include it in the book. Um, but you know, my, the, the kind of person my husband is, um, he's just a really kind, gentle soul. And he's not one to, um, to put everything out there. You know, it took him a long time for, for, to, to be okay with me writing the book. And I, and I was really respectful of him in doing that. Um, but I just want to give people a little essence of, of what he's like. Um, you know, we were walking over to the courthouse for the hearing and we had seen um, this couple that was sitting on the bench waiting to go inside the courthouse. And my heart sank because I thought it was, um, you know, the perpetrator's parents. And I just thought, oh, they just 
you know, looked so hurt and broken. And then my heart just went out to them because it's just this tense, tense stuff, you know, and my husband stopped and I thought, Oh no, I, I really took a, took a moment. And my husband asked them, um, you know, who they were. And, and they said that they were his father. And my husband said, you know, I'm Lucian's father and this is my wife. And um, he had extended his condolences. He said, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry for the loss of your son. And it shifted our universe then that my husband had said to them and spoke to them in that moment about um, knowing how difficult it is and that we both lost our son, essentially, you know, that they knew their son was going to prison, um, you know, could be for the rest of his life. Um, but And Peter wanted to let them know that he needed to defend his son at that moment. And he was going to go inside the courtroom and give his statement and, and to know that, but to know that, that he extends his condolences to them. And it was, we all hugged and cried and there, and it was a really, it shifted just the energy for everybody as well. Um, It was just a beautiful thing. And that always stays with me because um, you know, when, when I look at my husband and I know he's hurting, from losing Luke, I also just remember that depth of, of generosity he was able to give and extend for all of us, you know, in that moment. That's incredible. I mean, because I imagine that um, this man who took Luke's life, um, you know, he, he probably had, it sounds like his parents were probably, you know, who knows what kind of parents they were, but they're probably decent people. And we do carry the weight of what our children do. Um, and yet we can't, I mean, it's, we all make our individual choices, but what I love so much about that story is just the forgiveness and the, like you say, it's a generosity of an, of an open heart. I mean, what's really amazing is that, um, you and your husband, um, Peter, that despite this incredible loss and sudden loss that you went through, it seems that you just immediately um, did not shut your heart down. And see, I find that that is one of the things that um, defines us more than our loss is how our heart and how we respond to our loss and our experience. And what I find so beautiful about that is that there is this time for all of us that we have to choose. And I think that you and your husband, Peter, um, immediately chose to walk um, a path of grace. You immediately chose to walk a path of an open heart. And you're probably like me, probably figured, geez, we have to go through this loss. It better count for something like it. It better it better count for something positive because that's probably who Luke was too. And I mean, I want to go back to so so there's a lot of forgiveness in what Peter did, and I I have to imagine that and I, and all that I know about forgiveness is the way out of our pain is to forgive um, because forgiveness isn't about um, redemption for the other person. I mean, forgiveness is about letting go of something that's going to um, torture us forever in our hearts and torture our minds and keep us from experiencing um, the joy that is still present in our lives. And, and I, I love what you say, you know, because, you know, clearly you were super attached 
Um, you guys were a close family. And I love that you have, you speak of returning, you know, 12 years. Um, I'm sure it took some time and there was yeah. a lot of tears and a lot of healing, but it's beautiful that you and Peter are remain together and that you were able to support him yeah. um, through this incredible, incredible loss of his son. I'm, I mean, my heart, um, when Peter's listening to this, my heart is just so full of, um, I just feel him so deeply, you know, because I think of my loss of losing my spouse, but I think of losing my children. I just, I, I don't even know how you reconcile that, except that I, I do know that it is possible and that, and like you said, you never, ever get over it. You never move on from it, but you move forward. And, and then I just want to go to um, the thin veil because that was also my own discovery in the process. It's almost as if we have to find our way to them in order to move forward because we cannot think of living this life the rest of this life without them. So I'm, I want to hear about how you found your way to, or how Luke has found his way to showing you that he's present. Um, sure. Yeah. And sort of a little bit about your process, Joanne, and, sure. you know, um, in talking to him and bringing him into your life. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, between my husband and I am definitely the more vocal one, you know, and, um, but I also, you know, I, I also really take the time and, and I always did to just sit in silence, whether it's, you know, silent meditation or my way of silence or prayer and, and everything. But at the beginning, like you said, you know, it was tough, you know, it was, it was painful and tough and, and tears and, and all that sort of stuff. But I, I found myself, um, you know, fighting to to want to be okay, knowing that I wouldn't feel that way forever because I just believed that. And like you said, you know, you make that decision somewhere. It's it happens so I think deep down in the depths of you, and then at some point it it reaches up and matches into your head when you make it. But somehow it it, it happens deep inside of you, and you know, I did those things. I did those things that, um, that, you know, would help me, you know, I, I went to, to, um, different journey through grief and read some books and, and that sort of stuff. But I, I've always been somebody, um, who I feel, I feel energy around me or presence around me. Um, or I can, you know, I might look at the time and it'll be someone's birthday um, or I will just I'll, I'll dream about people. And, and where Luke was concerned, I had several different dreams along the way um, about him. Very, very early on, I had a dream where he was, um, you know, he was present in the dream and and Peter was Peter was in shown like in a hospital bed, you know, and to me, it was just his pain that, and his, you know, his sickness from this loss. And, and I was sitting at the side of the bed holding Peter's hand, and, and then Luke was there. And he said to me, you know, tell my father I love him. And so I would, I would share like at first I'd wake up and, and I you know wouldn't say at that moment, but later in the day when I felt there was time to, I'd be like, no, I had this dream about Luke last night. And I tried to make a little more light of it just because I was being careful not to, um, you know, upset him. And, and I would just share it with him and he would take it in. And, 
and there were just many different times I, you know, even for myself, I, I was sleeping one time and I had this dream and, and someone was trying to hurt me. And all of a sudden this big giant hand came in and I turned and it was Luke, you know? Um, so I just, I think those are just little signs that he's around and he's present. And, and, um, you know, like I said, when he, um, last year, when the book, idea, you know, and and all those thoughts came flooding into me, I really felt his hand was in that. And I, and it's, it's now after having written those pages and rereading them and hearing people um, express their thoughts to me, I feel like, wow, I needed to give him a voice. I needed Mm. to let him take his rightful place um, so that we can continue to bring him into the future and our future and that he's not forgotten and that he's watching over us and very much a part of our family. And, and that, um, and then how much it made me realize how the depth of, of my love for him, like the mm-hmm. real depth of it, um, you know, so it's been little ways like that where I'll, I'll come across a picture of him and I'll just like, I'll chat. I'm also someone who like, I don't have a problem ch- chatting to the air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, from what I understand, that's part of our, um, part of what we have to do is we have to invite them and that they are around us. But if we want to get signs and we want to have that relationship with them, which is a lot of what I have believed um, over my experience of loss and, and taught is we need to be the ones to continue that, that they're not going to interfere with our journey, but they're very much alongside of us on our journey. So if we want their guidance and we want their presence and we want to know what they think about something, we just have to ask. And I think that's, that's the part that um, people need to learn how important that piece is, is that your life with your loved one doesn't have to end. It's just a continuation, but we have to make that leap into our own minds and realize it's not the same relationship. It's not a physical relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. Yes. It's, a, it's a relationship where we're um, tuning in and to our higher nature. And, and in so doing, we're opening up our own minds to the possibility that death is just a word. You know, death is not an ending. Yeah. Not the end. And and it's like, what a powerful, powerful message um, for people who are going through loss and grieving. It takes a while. I, I believe that we have to grieve the physical loss. You know, I even if you believe that death is not the end and you know that person and that spiritual person is with you, I still believe we need to grieve the physical because that's what we're here to do. We're human and we're in a body. And our bodies call us to be physical. So we, we've got to go through that process. And in that process, and it sounds to me, Joanne, like in that process, what it can do is awaken you to further understand the power of spirit, awaken you to further understand that we live in a very multidimensional reality, that we are certainly limited to our third and fourth and fifth dimensions a lot in this body, but that we can realize that there's such an, a rich experience at hand. And like you say, the veil is paper thin, paper thin, paper mm-hmm. thin. And that's why, you know, Luke and Richard and 
that's why we have dreams. I believe that when we have dreams of our loved one, they're visiting us and they're mm-hmm. giving us messages. My, my daughter Jazz just had a dream the other morning of her father and she's just finally opened up to experiencing those things with him after almost 15 years. And, and he handed her a blank book and, you know, and, and she's like, what is this? What is this? He's like, you know what this is, you know? And, and so there's this, this way that there's these messages and these beautiful, um, this beautiful guidance that's at hand. And it's one of the great gifts of going through grief and loss, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, and it, and it is a gift and I, and I, anybody who's listening, you know, it, it, I really believe it's a gift and it's despite the pain, despite the trauma, despite everything that goes with it. I really believe when, when you can get to that place where you learn from it, it, you grow for sure. And then, and that's part of the gift. You know, if you take it, I I like to call it, you know, you can make friends with your grief. (laughs) You know, what kind of friend do you want it to be? Do you want it to be the friend that pulls you down? Do you want it to be the friend that lifts you up? Or do you want it to be the friend that takes you along and is with you and accompanies you and shows you and you learn and you grow and mature together? Um, You know, and and that's the one I choose, you know, um, and, well, that's, and- that's beautiful. I don't know if you, uh, that's exactly what I said in my book, Heartbroken Open too, is, is grief is not the enemy. You know, grief is not the enemy. And I, grief comes as a, as a friend mm-hmm. to heal you. And I think so many people, even in the grief world, um, they make grief the enemy and, you know, you got to get out of grief as soon as possible. And, you know, the thing is, I mean, nobody wants to extend grief. Like yeah. nobody wants to be in that kind of pain. But there is just this incredible fertile ground that we walk on. Mm-hmm. And there are very few things in our lives that will ever take us to that fertile ground. It's almost as if we're taken to this sacred ground where we get this opportunity to blow our minds open and blow our hearts wide open so that our life is so enriched for this time period. And it is quite magical and it is quite awakening. And that awakening is part of the soul journey. It's part of the soul contract. It's part of why we come in this process of human form. And I just want to commend you so much for, um, being open and being awake and allowing this incredible loss, which, you know, like I said, my heart just goes out to you and your husband um, for the courage to go up to that family and to acknowledge Mm -hmm. their loss. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful statement of what it means to connect to humanity. Uh Yes. And and thank you so much for sharing that story here on the podcast. I know that's going to touch so many people when they listen to that. And Joanna, is there something else like before we end our um, time together that you'd like to share um, anything that um, feels that's in the air that you would love to share with our listeners today? Uh, I think it's just that, you know, you touched on a word, um, you just said sacred and, and it is, you know, everything is sacred, you know, life is sacred, loss is sacred, people are sacred, um, our stories are sacred. And I just think um, when we take that moment um, and we stop and 
stop before we talk or think before we speak or, um, you know, just really take a moment to remember the sacredness in other people because we just don't know what they're walking around with and, and extending, it doesn't even have to be something verbal, but even if you just glance at someone, you see somebody walking by and you just extend a blessing to them or something over them so that they they feel lifted for the day and they may not even know where it's coming from but it at some point uh, it all comes together because like they say I, they 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 say i don't know who they are but they, they <laughs> that where it's only 6 degrees of separation you know and i believe that there were all it's just six other people in front of us that and between us that were separated from so that would be what what i would i would um would leave this with well, Joanne, thank you so much. It's been beautiful speaking with you on the podcast. And I knew I just felt this intuitive. Yeah, I'll have to know. I really just reached out to Joanne like a half hour ago. I said, hey, can you jump on a recorder call for the podcast? And she was like, yes. And I was so I was grateful because I, I like to roll like that sometimes. And sometimes you get that sense somebody else rolls that way, too. And yeah. And I just want to thank you, Joanne, for, you know, just coming on, having such an amazing conversation and, um, beginning the series of the gifts that we, um, the gifts in, in grief, the gifts from grief. Thank you so much. And to everyone listening, um, please share this podcast with others. You will find how to buy Joanne's book, The Other End of the Barrel by Joanne Carey Hayde in um, the show notes. So please um, go ahead and, and pick up that book. It's a real easy read and it's beautiful and it will inspire you. So thank you, Joanne, so much. And we'll come back again. So don't sweat the small stuff. Live the big stuff. There's lots to learn and grow in this life. I'm Christine Carlson. Goodbye for now. Christine is thrilled to announce that her book, Heartbroken Open, has been made into a lifetime movie starring Heather Locklear in her comeback to television. Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, the Christine Carlson story, premieres at Lifetime on October 16th. Read the real story, a true page-turner, and get your copy of Heartbroken Open at Amazon and ChristineCarlson.com. <laughs>